Before we get started with today's episode, I would love to ask you to check out our new and updated website, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. We have access to all of our past episodes. We have a little bit about our firm, and you also can download our Roadmap to Financial Success. Uh, This week, we are speaking with attorney Laura Cowan, and as always, this is meant to be general information, and please consult your own attorney for specific legal advice. This is really meant to give you some basic information and some questions to ask yourself, ask your attorney, or even to ask Laura in her legal audit. So we do hope that you enjoy this episode. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chudik where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. So advisor with Parallel Financial. And what that means is I help, uh, I help the clients to make the right financial decisions for the reasons that are important to them. So if you've ever wondered what it's like to work with a financial advisor um, or just want to talk about some of your financial concerns, email me at david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com. And we can we can do a 30-minute Zoom call. We can sit down in person. We can do a telephone call and just talk about some of the financial issues that are keeping you up at night. But today we're talking business entities, we're talking mistakes that entrepreneurs make, and we are talking just how to run your business in a legal way with Laura Cowan. So, hey, Laura, how are you today? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself, maybe a little bit about your your personal and professional background. Yeah, so my professional background is I'm an attorney and I'm based in New York City. And I've got my own law practice. It's the law firm of Laura Cowan. And we practice small business law and also estate planning. So wills and trusts and things like that. But one of our main areas is to help small business owners get their businesses up and running. And we're about five years old now. And uh, that's what we do. We work with small business owners to help them make sure that they're legally legit, I guess is a short way of putting it. Wow. Yeah. And, and I think legally legit is, is, does not describe a lot of small businesses. So I'm sure your services are, uh, are well needed. So you're in New York. How, how has the last year or two been in, in New York? Was it a pretty tight lockdown? I know I'm in little old South Carolina, but um, I actually grew up in Queens and it's very easy where I live to not even try and you can never be within six feet of anybody. But I, I guess it's not like that in New York City, is it? <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely been a strange year. You know, we really um, implemented the lockdown pretty pretty severely and people were masking up and kind of doing all the things that, that we should be doing. So, uh, but the city has kind of opened up now, now that people are getting vaccinated and things like that. So it's getting better. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy to me how COVID, it financially devastated some people and then other people actually came out ahead. You know, some areas of the country were able to not maybe necessarily lock down that much because much lower populations and other areas like New York and the more densely populated areas, you know, I mean, you can't, how do you have the subways open when, you know, when you can't be within six feet of anybody? So that's a, it's just an an unprecedented uh, last couple of years we've gone through, huh? Exactly. Yes. Unprecedented. Yeah. Yeah. So you work with entrepreneurs, you work with business owners. 
Um, let's talk about kind of just just a few of the the terms, and, and let's maybe take it to a business entities for dummies level. Uh, you know, you can be driving down the road and you see a sign for I don't know Laura's Bakery Inc. Um, or or Laura's uh, Paint Shop LLC. Let's talk just really from a Cliff's Notes version. Like, what does the Inc. mean? What is that corporation? What is an LLC? And 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 just kind of give us. Uh, Give us that, that that basics of business entities. Yeah, so for starters, business entities are important no matter how small your business. One of the things that I hear uh, entrepreneurs say in chat groups and, and Facebook groups and things like that is that it's not something that you need until you're more established or you've started making a lot of revenue. And that's absolutely not true. Um, the point of a business entity is to protect your your, your personal assets from the actions of your business. So an LLC, for example, it stands for a limited liability company. And let's say you're working as a coach and that's that's your business. Um, an LLC, if you, you set that up, it's a, a legal entity and you'll want to, to get a tax ID for it and then go to the bank and set up your uh, business bank account under the tax ID for the LLC, not under your social security number. This is a mistake that I see a lot of entrepreneurs make. And then you you run all of your business activities through that LLC and that business account. And what that does is that in the event that you're you're sued or there's some legal dispute involving your business, your personal assets, things like your car, your home, your savings accounts, those are gonna be protected because the LLC acts as kind of like a bubble over your business. And so th the truth is if you're, if you're doing business, even if you're not bringing in a lot of revenue, even if you're, you're not doing all that much, you're at risk, business is risky. You're at risk for getting into some kind of legal trouble, whether it's a contract dispute or someone sues you because they didn't get the outcome they thought they should have gotten. It's a very long list. Uh, so that's why you want to set up a legal entity to separate your business and your personal assets. So what is the difference between a corporation and an LLC? Yeah, so um, one of the differences is how they're taxed. Uh, corporations are, are taxed differently than an LLC. And um, the and I should just back up and say that that most people, if you're just starting a business, it, it doesn't make sense to set up your business as a corporation. Um, corporations are subject to a whole bunch of uh, rules and regulations, and you've got to have annual meetings and, and, and all of that. Um, there, a corporation is a good idea if you're planning on very rapid growth, or if you're going to be seeking investors at some point. If that's you, then a corporation might make sense. Um, most people are just in the bucket of, I just want to protect my personal assets. And in that case, a limited liability corporation is, uh, is, is, is enough. So by default, though, if you do not set up an LLC or corporation, and let's say, I don't know, you, um, you start your own cleaning company. So there's no LLC, there's no corporation. Then what are you at that point? Then you're considered a sole proprietor. And uh, you're doing business and any revenue that you get from the business will just flow through to your personal income tax return. Uh, the downside there is that 
uh, you, you're, you have no protection again. So if your business gets sued for something, it's possible that you could lose your personal assets as a result of that. And you don't want that. You want there to be some shield, a, a bubble that separates your personal and your business. Yeah, yeah. One of the main, uh, kind of the, one of the main themes of this podcast is that we don't know what we don't know. So as entrepreneurs, oftentimes we know our trades very well, but we may not have our business entities set up properly. We may not have our business entities set up at all. And it seems all good and fine. And, and you know, we can even make jokes about, well, the lawyers just want us to set these things up so they can charge us and, and everything else. But these things are so, so important to get right and to get the right advice so that you set your business up in the right way. Um, so yeah, so that, that's really interesting. Now you work with entrepreneurs and, and I'm sure as an attorney, you're kind of going back and cleaning up some mistakes that people make, or what, what are some of the, kind of the, the crazy expensive mistakes that entrepreneurs make in the running of their business? I think one of the biggest mistakes they make is, uh, they, they try to do a lot of things on their own not realizing what, how expensive the implications could be. And, and I'll give you a really great example. I, I worked with someone, a, a marketing company who had, uh, they had drafted their own client agreement, right? So people hired this marketing company to market their business for them. And when they, when you hired them, you had to sign this client, client agreement. They had written their own client agreement, just pasting together things that they found from the internet and they had this clause in there that's basically called an anti-disparagement clause. And, and an anti-disparagement clause basically says, if you want to work with us, great, but you're not allowed to leave us a bad review online, right? So this was part of their client services agreement, this sentence that says, you're not allowed to leave us a bad review. Well, it turns out that these anti-disparagement clauses are actually illegal. And under federal law, I think it was in 2016, Obama signed it into law, that you can't prohibit people from leaving an honest and fair evaluation of your services online. And in fact, if the FTC had found out about this, this agreement that this marketing company was using, um, they could have been fined up to $10,000 for having this one sentence in their contract saying you're not allowed to leave us a bad review. So the marketing company, when I pointed this out to them, they were really surprised. And, and, and I think that that's when you're talking about you don't know what you don't know. That's a great example. So this marketing company, were they so small that they couldn't afford an attorney? Or did they just say, you know, we're going to kind of do this on our own because we don't have time? I mean, why would you write your own marketing agreement? I think it's it's a combination. I think it's that they were they were so small that they thought this it isn't in the budget to hire a lawyer. But I think even more importantly, they just didn't realize that there's actually things that you can't put in a contract. Sure. You know, you you, you learn that in law school, uh, but most people don't know that. And so they had no idea that they that you're not only are you not allowed to have this in your contract, but you can actually get fined several thousand dollars if if, if you're you know found out by the FTC. So anybody who signed that, well, I mean, what do you do? Do you go back and, and say we need a different contract? I mean, how do you how, how does the attorney advise to fix that? Yeah, I, I recommended that they go back to all of their clients and have them sign a new agreement without that that clause in it. Um, that's how you fix that. 
Um, but it's, I just think it's, it's, it's such a great example of you don't know what you don't know. And it's with the Internet today and with legal Zoom and things like that, it's very easy to think, well, I'll just kind of piece together some stuff on my own and save save some money. Uh, but that's not always the best to go. What best way to go The the cost of hiring a lawyer to, to develop a really solid client services agreement was way less than, than the $10,000 and the FTC was going to find them if they found out about it. Well, then there's a loss of credibility of going back to the client. Um, and let's face it, you know, what you just said, you don't know what you don't know. They know marketing. They're a marketing firm. Mm -hmm. They should be marketing. They should not be drawing up legal documents. Um, and, and I think that's kind of one of the bigger, bigger messages. And, and just like, you know, as a financial advisor, you know, kind of it's my job and my firm's job to handle our clients' big picture financial issues, kind of the long-term investment decisions, things like that. And then our clients' jobs are to handle their day-to-day. -day. Uh, doesn't matter who you are, you need to live within your means, whether you're making minimum wage or millions of dollars and and um, and things like that. But But I'm a huge, huge fan of we need to hire professionals to help us or else we're just going to do. And the problem with entrepreneurs is we're normally pretty smart and we're kind of good at, you know, we're, we're a little bit good at a lot of different things, but not great. So we feel like we can figure it out. Why hire Laura? I mean, she's just going to charge me too much. I'll just do it myself. Well, yeah, that's great until there's a problem. So Yeah. Yeah. And I can guarantee you, whatever lawyer you go to, they're going to point things out that you didn't even consider. And there's no way that you would have known to consider them. So it's not, you know, it's not your fault or anything, but, but the lawyer is going to be, they're going to have your back and be really covering your interests. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that's just so important. And, uh, you know, being able to sleep at night with all of the different directions that entrepreneurs are pulled, we need to know that kind of the basis of our legal documents and everything else are just, they're done, they're legally sound and, um, and we don't have any, um, how many have any issues with that? Um, one of the things that you do with your clients is a small business legal audit. So, and that's kind of a fascinating thing because you know we do kind of similar type uh, audits on on clients' financial situations. Um, just as an example, uh, I, you know we'll, we'll physically look at kind of the beneficiary forms of somebody's life insurance. So let's say you're a client and you got some life insurance 10 years ago. Um, you probably don't remember who the beneficiary is. You might be on a third marriage after the person you were married to or who knows what. So we need to audit and make sure that your, your, your document is what you need it to be. So what are some of the things that you would look at with a small business legal audit? Yeah, so the reason we offer the small business legal audit is because entrepreneurs need a place to start. They don't know where to start. Um, and the benefit of the audit is uh, you'll give us some information about your company. We'll have you fill out a, a questionnaire. And then we're basically looking for all of the holes in your foundation, I guess is a good way of putting it. Um, what, you know, what contracts do you should you have in place that you don't have in place? Is your legal entity set up correctly? Is your website legally legit? There are legal notices that every website should have, some required by law and some to protect you as the business owner. A big thing now is ADA compliance for websites. They have to be accessible to Americans with disabilities. Uh, we'll look at your, your insurance. We're looking at all the, different, all the different ways that you can protect yourself, whether it's contracts, legal entity, having the right business insurance, how is your business taxed, um, 
and then we'll give you a written action plan for these are the things that you should be doing. These are the things that you should focus on right away because this is a high risk area. These are the things that maybe can wait. And if nothing else, you'll leave the audit knowing exactly what you should and shouldn't be doing to get your business set up correctly. Yeah, and that's, I could imagine that would be a little bit overwhelming, right? I mean, would would you give, kind of prioritize the, the first and, and second ones that need to be dealt with? Or how, how would you, because you can, probably can't fix years of mistakes or, or neglect overnight. That's exactly right. We prioritize, you know, we'll look at the things uh, based on your business, based on where you, what you're doing, a bunch of different factors. We'll look at the things that you should focus on right away and the things that you can do maybe in, you know, four or five months after you've had a, a chance to budget for it. I'm working with a company now. Uh, we started off with their, they were hiring an employee and hiring an employee is a big area of risk. There are a lot of lawsuits related to employees and employment. So we, we focused on that right away. And then the next month we focused on getting their legal notices on their website, all accurate. And then the next month we trademarked their business name, right? So every month we did one, one chunk and it was a flat fee. So every month they knew exactly what they were going to be investing. And we focused on the things that really were important right away. And then the other things as we had time and as their budget allowed. That's yeah. I, 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 I like that. You know, when you're talking about employees, um, we have some, some clients who, who um, I think they kind of walk that line between employee and independent contractor mm. a little bit too closely. Talk to me a little bit, just really generically on kind of employee versus independent contractor and, and how much trouble that can cause if that's not done correctly. Yeah, that's exactly right. So the, the, there's a big difference between someone who's working as your employee and someone you just hired as an independent contractor. And, and the reason it's important is because the IRS treats those two buckets very differently. Uh, if someone is an employee, then there are certain taxes that need to be paid uh, to the government, Social Security withholding, things like that. And uh, when you're an independent contractor, th those taxes aren't necessary. And you want to get it right because if, if you're treating uh, someone who's actually an employee as an independent contractor and you're not collecting those taxes, well, that's revenue that the government is missing out on that they're actually entitled to. So, and the, the way you tell the difference is, you know, employees are generally salaried and they generally have like set hours and they, they don't have their own tools and equipment. Whereas an independent contractor is someone who they might work for a bunch of different people and they they have their own tools, et cetera. So, but, but you want to get it right because the IRS cares how those are classified. Yeah. Uh, you Anything with the IRS, you typically uh, typically want to get right for sure. Now, another thing that I see with, with small business owners is, you know, sometimes even if there is a business entity, it's really hard to tell where the business entity ends and the personal person begins as far as, you know, my business owns the car. Well, yeah, but that's the car that you're driving your kids to and from school with and things like that. So how difficult is it to pierce that corporate veil and potentially have issues later on if, if you know, if you're too closely have, having your business and, and your and your and your personal be for lack of a better term, the same thing. Right. Yeah, it's very important to keep separate records, separate bookkeeping records. And, and like I was saying with the, the LLC, um, 
oftentimes I'll say to, 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 to small business owners, okay, it's great that you've set up the LLC, but you're not actually managing it properly. So you're not getting any of the benefits from it. It's not enough just to set it up and to have the paperwork. You need to then get an EIN for that LLC, a tax identification number. The IRS can give you that. It's free. And then you need to go to the bank, set up a business bank account. And then when they ask, what is the tax ID for this account? Do not give them your social security number. Give them your LLC's EIN. You'd be amazed at the number of uh, entrepreneurs who don't realize that. Uh, and so that's that's how you... Uh, and then do all of your business activities under that business banking account. And that's one way to, to, to really show the IRS, like these are, I've got my personal stuff on this side and I've got my business actions on this side and they're completely separate. Yep. yep. And I, I see, I, you just see it all the time where people, and I guess it's easy to do, but you buy some, uh, some personal items under the business account and kind of classify it as business. And, and number one, that's not honest. And number two, that, uh, you know, it can get you into trouble uh, later on. Do you work, you're, you're based in New York City. I, are, are you limited geographically with who you can work with, either, um, you know, with, with your legal licensing or just by um, logistics? Or can you work with anybody anywhere? So I could pretty much work with anybody anywhere uh, on, on most things, uh, things like trademark. Uh, I can help you set up a trademark. That's that falls under a federal law. So what's a so trademark? Let's 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 talk about that. Yeah, I mean, a trademark is basically you claiming ownership of your your business name or maybe a logo. Um, so, you know, think of a trademark as like like the McDonald's arches, you know, the, the those are the things that everybody kind of associates with a certain brand. I think you can even trademark a color. Like I think I could be wrong, but I, I believe that Pepto-Bismol has trademarked that the pink color of their, wow. uh, I'm, I'm not 100% certain, but, but that's, you get the idea. You, you can trademark something that really very closely identifies you with your brand. Um, and uh, you know, so if you have a business name, if you have a slogan, you want to claim ownership of that. And so you can do that with a trademark. And if and it's not trademarked, like what's kind of the negative of not trademarking your name or, or slogan? Well, then someone else can come along and, and trademark it for themselves. And then not, you wouldn't be able to use it anymore. And you'd have to rebrand your entire, um, you know, brand basically. So you work for years and years, you develop your brand, you, you, you do all this good work. So people associate your name or your slogan uh, with, with the goodwill. And then because you didn't work with Laura and trademark it, now somebody can have that. And that's, uh, you know, Laura didn't work for free, so she wouldn't have done your trademark for free, but it certainly would have been a heck of a lot less expensive than trying to rebrand your whole business. Right. Definitely. And you just don't want to get into legal squabbles either. You know, even if at the end of the day, even if you win the lawsuit or you come out on top or however you want to expensive, even hiring a lawyer to figure out, am I allowed to use this slogan? This other business person is using it as well. That's going to be expensive. The best way to avoid all that is just to trademark your stuff from the get-go. Gotcha. Gotcha. So if I'm a business owner and if I'm thinking, man, I'm busy, you know, uh, there's some labor shortages. It's been a tough couple of years with COVID, but you know what? I mean, I, I know that there's some things that I need to deal with and I'm, I'm sure that the, uh, this just sounds like something that I need to do. Like, how would somebody, how would somebody get in touch with you? And, and what would this process for the small business legal audit look like, um, you know, from, from the client's point of view? 
Yeah, so the best way to schedule your small business legal audit is just to go online to my calendar. Um, you can find this on my website. And my website is thelauracowan.com. So that's the and then L-A-U-R-A-C-O-W-A-N.com. And there's a tab that says work with me. And, and under that tab, you'll be able to find a link to my calendar to book your small business legal audit. It's a Calendly calendar. And uh, as soon as you book that, you'll get a link to a questionnaire asking some questions about your business. And then we'll have our Zoom together. And, and how long is that questionnaire going to take to fill out? Is that really detailed? Is it kind of just big picture questions? It's big picture uh, because oftentimes a lot of the things around the questionnaire are things that the, the, the client answers. I actually haven't done this yet. So there's not much to fill out because they generally haven't done most of the things that they should have done. Um, it's big picture. It's just to get a sense for your overall business. Uh, and it's, it's a... Um, an online questionnaire. So you can, you don't have to handwrite it or anything. And then that'll give us some information that we need. And then when we have our Zoom, it's a 45 minute Zoom. And I'll just basically go through and tell you all the things that you should be doing um, that you haven't done and how to get certain things in place. And then if you would like to move forward with me and have, have me help you with some of that, then we'll talk about my fees. Perfect. And that's beautiful. I always talk about how we handle our money should help us with what I call the sleep at night factor. So we can just know that, you know, you're never even going to have all of your business issues and your financial issues in order. But if you know that everything kind of has a plan to get in order, then you can sleep at night. And I guarantee every business owner out there, there's something on their mind that they just, you know, hey, I heard about trademarking and I'm not sure what it is, but I probably need to do it, but I wouldn't know where to start. So you just, you put these things off and you don't do them. Or um, another thing that we see a lot is um, let's say Laura and David are business partners. Uh, let's say that Laura passes away. Um, you know, that creates issues. So these buy-sell agreements and everything of business partners that they, a lot of times they don't have in place you know, they're easy to do while people are alive, but later on when, when somebody passes, um, it becomes a, a major, major issue on, on how to buy out partners for family members and everything else. So, so we need to deal with these things now, um, kind of as an overall, uh, kind of financial planning mentality, I think is what we got is what we all need to have. So, well, awesome. Well, well, that's really exciting. We'll put your, um, your Calendly link and your website in the show notes. And we really hope that all of our listeners would be proactive and just, you know, check it out and, and, and see what um, what may need to be done. So, and I always like to close out our show and ask our guests, because we are the Weekly Wealth Podcast, I like to put you on the spot. And, and, and I'd love to get Laura Cowan's definition of true wealth. So what does wealth mean to you? I think wealth means to me uh, the same thing that it means to a lot of people in 2021, which is uh, the ability to, to make choices, the ability to choose about what kind of work, um, what you can focus your time on. I think when everything is solid from a financial perspective, I don't necessarily mean you have a ton of money in the bank, I, but, but when you feel solid, um and about the options and the opportunities that you have to me that that that's that's the true wealth is being able to manage your time the way that you want to because 
um, because there's only you know 24 hours in the day. But but you don't get to that point until you you have to get your financial ducks in a row first. So that's why I think that's so important. I love that. I love that because if you think you know, I think we all probably know somebody who makes a ton of money, but they work 18 hours a day and there's no freedom, and maybe they they miss a lot, uh, right. you know, family time things like that. So. Oftentimes, we do get some version of the freedom answer when we talk about uh, talk about true wealth. So, uh, never once has anybody given me a specific dollar amount when talking about what their definition of wealth. So that's always uh, always interested in me. It's always been about either freedom or or friends and family and ability to help others. So, uh, very 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 exciting stuff. So, Laura Cowan, check her out at www.thelauracowan. That's T H E L A U R A C O W A N. Schedule your small business legal audit. Uh, it's just fun stuff. It'll you'll learn something, and, and you'll probably get some easy tips on on some small items. And who knows, there may be some glaring issues in your business's legal plan that need to be addressed but it's better to address them before we have any issues than afterwards. So that being said, any, uh, any closing thoughts, Laura? No, just thanks so much for having me. And I hope to, uh, to meet some of you in your small business legal audit. Absolutely. Well, good deal. And uh, stay safe up in New York city. Thank you. I will. The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.